Welcome to Asian Pacific Voices Radio, where you'll find stimulating conversations that explore diverse topics and stories impacting our communities. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, and I am so excited. My guest today is a remarkable Japanese-American non-binary individual who founded the House of Persuasions, the South's first and only all-AAPI drag show. As a performer, musician, and makeup artist, Drag Queen She plays a transformative role in uplifting Asian-American voices within the vibrant queer community. Beyond their mesmerizing performances, she actively contributes to social justice causes as an organizer, union member, and an inspiring force within the queer community dedicated to building bridges and fostering a sense of belonging for all. She, it is such a pleasure to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored to be here um, and to talk a little bit more about House of Persuasions. So thank you very much. Oh, same. There's so much to learn and discuss. So let's start off just talking about your personal history. Now, you grew up in the South. So could you provide us some personal insights on what it was like growing up Asian American in the South? For sure. So I grew up in unincorporated South Henry County, which is a metro Atlanta county um, in an area known as Kellytown. And my family were the only Japanese people at my high school. <laughs> and so um, growing up as an Asian American, uh, I just didn't have a lot of other Asian folks around me. Um, and being Japanese American, um, it was even, it was, it was a little bit more difficult and in a lot of different ways. Uh, there aren't a lot of Japanese people in the South really. Um, and so even if there were, uh, other Asian folks that weren't folks of my heritage and and for rightful reasons, there was some generational distance between um, Japanese folks and other Asian folks. Um, and so finding out what it m meant for me to be Japanese and to be more broadly Asian American has been a part of my journey. Um, and I, you know, I say Asian American on purpose. Um, because it is not only just an, uh, a mark of ethnicity, but it is a political identity um, brought forth by students in California back in the mid-60s who found inspiration and solidarity with Black organizers of the Civil Rights Movement. Um, and so for me, being Asian American in the South um, is not only, you know, about who I am um, from ethnicity, but it also is political identity. Uh, you know, I believe that as Asian people, that we, um, we should stand together and we should stand more broadly with other people of color in the fight for justice. I love that. And I, I can imagine so much of your experience is now transcribing into your work. Um, as we talk about some of the things that you've been involved in, you know, one of the things, of course, that stands out is the House of Persuasion. And I, again, want to mention that it is the first and sole Asian drag house in the South. So talk to me about some of your motivating factors. What inspired you to create this house? Thank you for asking that question. Um, I, I love talking about this because it really does matter a lot to me. Um, so like I said, you know, they're, you know, growing up as Asian American was one thing, but also being queer made it a little bit more difficult. And so I found it hard to be my full queer self in Asian spaces. And it was hard to be my full Asian self in queer spaces, unfortunately. 
And when I came, you know, as a performer, I started performing back in 2018 um, as now known as a character she. And things really kicked off in 2019. And when I first started here in Atlanta, it was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, for me as a performer, um, I had a really difficult time breaking through and uh, because I was doing something different. Um, I was avant-garde, I was a performance artist, and I was really inspired by my Japanese heritage. I just was in a scene where performers like to take things from Asian culture um, or mock Asian culture, um, or um, there just wasn't any of us around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in that difficulty of trying to find my own space and being rejected um, or, you know, people who look like me being mocked. I just decided as a performer that we deserve a space too. I thought, you know what, maybe people um, in the community aren't here because they were never told they belong here or they were never told that they deserve to have a space as well. And so the house of persuasions, um, you know, I, I started as a, as she, as a character for myself, to be fully queer and Asian and the same body um, as a performer and to explore my background um, and be the person who I always wanted to be. And House of Persuasions is an extension of that and a love letter to the queer and Asian community um, that we deserve to have a space, that we deserve to have a stage. Um, and I wanted to give ourselves a space to feed each other, to perform for one another, to create art for one another, um, and love on one another as a queer and Asian community. So how would you say House of Persuasions has helped you to find the freedom within yourself? House of Persuasions has really changed the way that I look at community, um, And it has invited me to step outside of myself even more. Um, I think that as drag performers, we are able to become our wildest dreams. I think that is the magic of drag. It's the magic of being on the stage, of theater, of being on a performance, is that I was able to create this character inside my head um, and I get to bring it into full real life. And... Um, you know, something that I say all the time and that I, I want people to come to these shows um, and leave these shows loving themselves more before they got there. Um, I want people to be there and feel celebrated, to feel welcomed, um, to feel loved. And as I'm doing that, I feel like I'm doing that for myself, too, because I didn't have that person. Um, and I, I want, I just want to do that for other people. So in the, in the process of me making that space for others that I care about, I'm doing it for myself. I love that. And you and I had talked about something that was really important to me that touched my heart as well, is that how this house actually is also chosen family, right? Because I think, um, when you're, when you come from the Asian American community, we have this strong sense of family, But now when you're dealing with your own self-identity, being queer, being Asian American, find that belonging, sometimes it's not that easy being accepted by our own birth families. Um, So talk to me about how this actually House of Persuasions becomes your chosen family for individuals. For sure. So thank you for bringing that up. I 
Um, I had a really hard time coming out. My parents and I are on much better terms now. Um, you know, we all love and we learn and we live. <laughs> but unfortunately, as Asian Americans, we don't always have the easiest time coming out um, because a lot of our families, as they move to America for whatever or however, um, we have lost touch of our cultural traditions that actually accept and love people of all different genders and orientations. And in that process, we have really tense and strained relationships with our families as we start to come out. And it's really sad because I think one thing that people um, who are not from immigrant families, who are not from Asian families, really don't understand is you can't just up and leave your family. <laughs> it's just culturally, it's just not, it's just not an option. And if it is something that you're forced to do, it's incredibly painful. Um, and it was really painful for me. Um, and so, but one of the really beautiful things um, that can come out of such a deep loss or turmoil is the ability to create a family who does love you and who does celebrate every part of you. And so, you know, this, this group of folks that we have, we love on each other like family. We care about each other like family. It is one of the more beautiful things that comes out of such negativity, honestly. Um, so having each other and being able to help each other out with job applications or, you know, like showing each other how to write a resume or, um, you know, if you need some food, you can always come over to my house or, um, you know, if you need a ride to your, to work, you can, you know, we can call each other like those things, you know, having people that deeply care about you and want to see you succeed and are your best cheerleaders and, love you no matter what you do. <laughs> we all deserve and want that out of life. And, um, you know, that's the exercise of persuasions is not only just a love letter to the broader community, but it's also to everyone, to each other in this house. And, you know, I think about the impact that you've created by creating this, right? Like you've created this space to allow for that. You know, it. I'm curious to know, about some of the challenges that you would say are faced by the BIPOC trans and queer communities, especially for those who are in the South and how House of Persuasions is supporting them. And some of the, maybe the for impact sure. to the positive results you've seen come out of it. Absolutely. So um, one of the more recent examples that I'm really proud of is our work with 18 Million Rising. So 18 Million Rising is a national organization um, that helps celebrate Asian culture and, and digital and in real spaces. And we were able to collaborate with them on a digital drag show um, that was a fundraiser for the Knights and Orchid Society, which, you know, also known as TKO in Alabama, which is a Black and trans-led organization that delivers social supports, healthcare, um, amongst other things to uh, the Black, uh, Indigenous, and people of color in Alabama who are queer. And so some of, some of the work that we do has been like fundraising and organizing for the community as a whole, but some of the problems that we're facing, we can't take care of ourselves. Um, and 
if I can take the liberty, those who are listening, we need your help. We need your solidarity. Um, queer people are under cultural, political, and legislative attack at every single corner right now. Um, and so as a performer, as a house of performers and artists, we will continue to create and live boldly um, and love proudly out in public and take care of our community um, and connect each other with resources, all of those things. Um, but we are not in a good place. We need your help. Um, we need you to stand with us in public when people um, are um, attacking our character for just simply being who we are. Um, we need you to vote for people who don't attack our community <laughs> and who in turn love people like us and support people like us. Um, and so that is my, my challenge is we can do everything that we can. Um, but as you know, people of different identities of different intersections, we all face different difficulties. And if we stand together, and we genuinely find the power that we have collectively to organize and to fight for a future where all of us can genuinely live a happy, um, safe, prosperous life. It is so much easier for us to do that together. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to have that call to action to see what our viewers or listeners can do to help support. So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned the um, 18 million rising. Um, fundraiser. What do you feel was the takeaway from that fundraiser for the audience? Most of the audience that I, I recognize were folks who were more nationally interested and intrigued that there were queer Asian people in the South period. The big takeaway is that we're here, um, is that we are who we are, where we are, um, and we deserve the flowers. We deserve the solidarity, the support, because, you know, one of the things that I love talking about the South, people definitely have a, a fair preconceived notion of what the American South is um, and, you know, that it is a place full of discrimination, of bigotry, of um, systemic racism and oppression. Um, however, that exists everywhere in the United States. And the thing that I love exposing people who are outside of the South to is that the South is also home to some of the best organizers in the entire world, some of the best um, activists, some of the best racial justice fighters, some of the best artists, some of the best performers. So while, yes, we do live in a hostile environment that wants to erase us, we do not let that define us. Um, and so I think the big takeaway for people who were watching that show is that, damn, y'all are really impressive. <laughs> hey, that's a great takeaway. You mentioned the word support in there. And so I'd love to know, is there a story that you could share of maybe one or two people um, that are involved with House of Persuasions that and the drag culture that have positively transformed from being a part of the house or maybe uh, their self-perception has empowered them? Someone that's maybe experienced change that you've seen. I think one of my, um, one of the girlies that I've seen really blossom is my friend Demi Valentine. 
Um, so she is Filipina. And one of the things that I've just really seen in her journey as us, you know, as one of the OG members of the very first performance and um, seeing her grow in her relationship with her Filipina heritage. So growing up, unfortunately, like a lot of other Asian folks, um, we don't always grow up with a strong tie to our own culture. Um, and we find that sometimes later in life. And it's been really beautiful watching her grow um, and become an even fuller version of who they are and you know what they want to present to the world and even be a more well-rounded performer. Um, and so I'm just, I'm really proud of her. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I'd like to know what steps does the House of Persuasions take uh, to help create maybe supportive and an inclusive environment, especially for people who are exploring drag for the first time. Um, they may be facing additional challenges, you know, due to their intersectional identity. So how do you help them? I think the first thing that we do is have the shows um, and make sure that we broadcast who we are to as many people as possible so they know where to go. I think that is like the hardest thing to do. Um, as I remember being a baby performer and feeling so alone, like no one, I had no one to talk to. I felt like, you know, YouTube was my drag mother at first, you know, and like, I was just trying to figure everything out by myself and we don't have to do that. We, we don't have to do that. And so for me, I mean, honestly, it, it is having the shows and creating that space so that people can organically develop relationships with another, with one another, find their space, find out and have the space to question if they want to perform um, in a space that feels welcome and comforting. You know, we have learned to be very clear about our expectations and boundaries for our environment. Right. So like at the beginning of the show, we're like, we are very clear about what consent is and is not. Um, it is enthusiastic, verbal. Yes, you may engage in physical touch with me, right? Because unfortunately, in a lot of nightlife spaces, those those can get blurred. Um, and so we work really hard, not only for consent, but I have a rule that if you appropriate Black culture or if you, you know, offend other people by being racist, you're out. <laughs> and so we are very clear about our expectations and cre you know, creation of a safe space. Um, I also believe in an anti-capitalist framework. And I mean that when it comes to payment. <laughs> so normally in, you know, the and in, in the show world, the like the show director gets a larger portion and they, you know, th there's an unequal form of payment or more senior performers get more money and different things like that. But I'm clear with every show that I do, we all split it equally um, and we work together as a team um, to share and our collective labor. So any new performer is welcome to be a part of that. Um, and like I just added, um, an, I have two new members to the cast and they're my daughters Virgo um she's in Athens and 
Um, <laughs> her drag name right now is Contractor Bag. Um, and there's, you know, there's Virgo and Contractor Bag. She does um, H Mart Lady Drag. It's amazing. I love her. And um, they're both sort of new performers. And so I just sit down and talk with them about where to find the products that you need, what ha what I have and have, tr have tried that is successful and what isn't a good product. And it's not that honestly, it's the time to be one-on-one -on -one with people and individually foster their skills and their talents and giving them uh, the tools that they need to develop as an artist. And, and, and you're building community, right? At the same time, while spreading uh, this loving environment. But while you're doing all this and fostering people's self-identity and their artistic abilities, you're also very vocal when it comes to social justice. So she, I'd love to know on a personal level from you, what are maybe two or three things that are really, really important to you, especially right now, um, as you go out there and you advocate for the Asian queer community? For sure. I mean, the thing that's top of mind right now locally in Atlanta is the Stop Cop City movement. So we, um, there is a large, large, large autonomous community of people who are organizing for their own safety, um, for the environment, and for the well-being of people in Atlanta. Um, so right now, there is a referendum campaign underway um, that is collecting petition signatures so that the people of Atlanta in November can vote on whether or not they approve of the proposed, quote unquote, training facility. So, you know, I believe in democracy. I believe that everyone should have a say in how their resources are used and um, how the government that is supposed to represent them functions. And so, you know, this is just one of the many different ways um, that people in Atlanta can vote for their future. So I definitely want to lift up the referendum campaign to stop Cop City. The other thing that I'm really involved in right now uh, is I just joined the board of Atlanta Pride. Um, and so for me, um, fighting for the queer community is something that is really important to me. There is a whole host of policy solutions that we can talk about. Um, but right now, I'm just working on making sure that we're safe, that queer people can walk around and know that they're not in danger. Honestly, that has to do with a lot of infrastructure. <laughs> it's so not um, the hot topic, um, but having safe sidewalks uh, public transportation, all those different things are cru critical for public safety. The other thing that's happening is the talk of drag bans, of, um, of banning public dis displays of queerness, both in public and also in the classroom. And so in Georgia, unfortunately, we had a divisive concepts bill passed. Um, we um, had a ban on gender affirming care passed for trans minors. Um, and so those are also in addition to the, the, the things that I mentioned earlier, those are really important in the fight for Georgia right now. Um, that we can't even talk about being queer and Asian in the classroom. <laughs> um, and we can't, 
you know, and all those different things, right? I mean, those are important conversations. You know, as you were talking, it made me think about what is it around drag, if we just even take the terminology, right? What is it that you think creates or instigates fear? Because it's been such a divisional topic, as you were mentioning. So any, any anything you can add to that on, on what you might think? To be honest, I don't think that it's drag itself that is controversial. Um, I think that working class people are really stressed out right now. Paychecks are getting slimmer and, you know, fewer and far in between. People don't feel as safe as they should. Uh, people across the country don't feel listened to and heard from by their political leadership, whether you're Republican or Democrat, unfortunately. People across the board feel frustrated, taken advantage of, and unheard. And when that happens, people uh, who seek to gain power by manipulating people and by exploiting fear snatch on to the nearest thing. And drag scares people who are powerful in that way. Because we live in a world without fear. We live in a world of truth, of radical truth, of being exactly who you want to be, of loving yourself fully, of living your truth proudly, of um, taking care of your community, all these different things. Like drag represents an antithesis to this fear-mongering rhetoric peddled by fascist conservatives. When people see a threat, they like to take it down. They like to make it to be what it's not and distract from the fact that they are incapable of doing the jobs they were elected to do. If you look at the people who were fear-mongering and peddling homophobic and transphobic messages and drag bans, these are people who can't govern. <laughs> these are people who have no idea for the future besides destroy everything else for everybody. To me, to and you know, to succinctly, more succinctly answer your question, the thing about drag that scares conservatives or people who don't understand us is the bold and brilliant love and truth that we walk in. Well, then to add to that on the hopeful side, as we speak of boldness and truth, what is your big, bold dream for House of Persuasions as you continue to grow? I would love for this to grow even larger. You know, I, I want us to grow into big family dinners that the community can be a part of. I want us to have even bigger, more produced shows where we can foster relationships across the American South um, for Asian queer people. Um, you know, I want this to be a place um, and a space that travels across the country that shows that you know, queer Asian Southerners are bold, brilliant, and beautiful, and talented, and that we deserve just as much as investment and space as anybody else. There are so many different things. You know, we could be on TV. We could do all these different things that probably will happen because we're great. But the thing that I really want most of all is for us to continue to love one another and to protect one another that, you know, and, and as simple as that might seem, that's not certain. That's not certain given the world that we live in, 
Um, and I also, I want to pass this off. I want this to be a legacy that I'm able to leave. Um, and it's something that continues for much, much longer um, than me. Uh, I want this to be in whatever incarnation it is at the time, whether it changes its name or whatever it is. I just, I really hope that this moment that we've created continues to be an effort of love um, for queer Asians across the South. Thank you for sharing that. Well, speaking of continuing the movement, you've got two shows coming up, right? So we have a show at our home bar in Mary's in East Atlanta Village um, on August 24th. Um, uh, it is 21 and up. <laughs> so if you are under 21, don't even try. We have a show on October 14th. That is going to be incredible. Um, Atlanta Pride is, in my opinion, the best pride. Uh, and also myself and Demi that I mentioned earlier, we're both competing in a pageant on August 18th here in Atlanta. And so I'm just excited to see what we both bring. I love healthy competition. I think it's great. Both our show back at Mary's, the competition that we'll have, um, at city winery on August 18th. And also, um, the show for pride. We have a big group number for um, Atlanta Pride on, on October 14th. That sounds fun. Now, where can people go to find out more information about the shows or even just uh, House of Persuasions? You can find me everywhere on the internet um, at How Is She Though? How Is She Though? H-O-W-I-S-S-H-I-T-H-O. And you can find everything to do with House of Persuasions uh, even on threads, we're on threads too, um, at House of Persuasions. Persuasions is spelled P-E-R-S-U-A-S-I-A-N-S. I'm going to end by asking you this question. If you had any piece of advice that you could give to an Asian American individual that is dealing with their self-identity, um, what piece of advice would you give to them? I would tell them to be patient with themselves, to give yourself so much grace, to take your time and to love yourself so, so much. Person, if you're listening and that's you, you are so loved by so many people you don't even know yet. Um, and if things are difficult right now, it's gonna be okay. And if it's not, let us know. We're here for you. There are so many people that um, have been through what you've been through, who care about you, who are here for you. Um, so just hold on. She, thank you for sharing that. I think there's, um, it's so important to let others know that they do have community and they're not alone because I'm, I'm sure it can be um, so challenging. I want to thank you again, She, for being on our show and sharing your journey, um, talking to us about House of Persuasions, your advocacy, and all the great changes that you are making in the community. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. And we'd also love to hear from you. Any suggestions you may have for future guests or topics. Also, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. Asian Pacific Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our Asian and Pacific Islander communities. 
with a voice through media arts. Now, if you'd like to support our organization or our program, please do visit us at AsianPacificVoicesRadio.com. I'm Rasha Goel, and thank you once again for joining. And please do join us for another week, another exciting episode of Asian Pacific Voices Radio. Thank you so much. Take care and make sure you look up She's Shows.